Today we're starting a three-week summer series aimed at reminding us that God is with us in the disorienting, culture-shifting situations we find ourselves in, whether it's because of a global pandemic like COVID-19, a new life stage by choice, or a sudden change by chance. Sudden life changes, as we've all had really over the past 12 months, some more than others, but these changes offer us a unique opportunity to realign our value system to better reflect God's ways. This year, 2021, is a great opportunity to create a new normal, to rearrange our priorities, to to better align with the values of the Kingdom of God. So this year, I want to encourage us to ensure that we have set up good spiritual rhythms and disciplines in our lives to hear from God and to obey Him. And this week, we begin by looking at the second shortest book in the Old Testament, Haggai. It's just got two chapters, a total of 38 verses. And if you have a paper Bible like I do, it might even be a little bit of a struggle to find it. In my Bible, it was just over a page and a bit. As it's recorded, Haggai's ministry lasted only five months in the year 520 BC. Yet I think it helps us as we begin a new year and really embed a new normal after a fairly crazy upheaval in our day-to-day lives. I'm going to give you the backstory real quick before we look at the main story this morning. So during King Solomon's reign, the most magnificent temple for God had been constructed. This temple was more glorious than you could ever imagine. And people from all over the world travelled just to see this temple and offer their worship to God. It was completely amazing. But after King Solomon died, the people's hearts turned away from God. They got distracted like people do and they started worshipping idols. In 587 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar and his army crushed the southern kingdom of Judah Not only was this completely humiliating and destroyed the whole city, but to add insult to injury, they destroyed the house where God dwelt, which stripped away the spiritual identity of the Jewish people and they were left completely devastated. The Jews were taken into captivity for a further 50 years. Imagine being captives to somebody else. We can't worship as we want. We can't go anywhere we want. Well, perhaps we've had a little tiny taste of that in this last nine months, but this is a whole nother level, completely in bondage for 50 years, okay? I'm not even 50 years of age, so so me and all my children would have been born in captivity, and essentially, that's all my family would know. So that's the estate or the state of affairs of what's going on here. What a relief it would have been when about 50,000 people are allowed to travel back to Jerusalem, the capital of Judah, to rebuild. Finally, after five decades, they get to go back to their home. They get to go and rebuild a house for their God. So they go back and they start to rebuild the temple for God. They built the foundation and they built the altar. But then the Samaritans come in and they oppose their work. And instantly they're like, oh no, this just got hard. This just got difficult. It mustn't be the right time to do this because this isn't easy for us anymore. So, okay, that's the backstory. And then for 15 years, the people didn't work on the temple. For five decades, that's all that they'd thought about. And yet when it got difficult, they put the project on hold. And instead of working on God's house, they began to work on their own houses. And they forgot about God's plan, God's desire for them to build the temple. So God raises up the prophet Haggai to call the people back to rebuild the temple for God. So then here we are, 
at the beginning of Haggai. Haggai 1-2 says, This is what the Lord Almighty says. He says, These people say the time is not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Now, I actually find this a little bit funny, actually. Almost everywhere else in the Old Testament, when God talks about His people, He calls them quite affectionately, My people, My people. And yet in this case, He does what I did when our kids were younger and would do something wrong. I'd be like to Phil, Phil, your daughter is hungry. Your son wants to go home. The kids are not in a good mood. Your son needs his nappy change. It's like I'm distancing myself from them. God's like, these people, they're not my people, this distance in relationship. These people are saying the time is not yet come to build my temple. They thought the time had not come because they received opposition. The Samaritans were opposing them. And how often is it that when we receive opposition, we stop and we think, oh, this mustn't be God's will. It just got hard. This is too difficult. Things are against me. It's just not as easy as it should be. Well, there's three questions I think we need to ask ourselves this morning as we set about establishing a new normal in our lives in 2020. First question, number one, am I making excuses? Have things gotten difficult And have I given up as a result too early? You see, opposition isn't necessarily a sign that God's against you. Sometimes, not always, but sometimes it's actually a sign that you're doing what God wants you to do. I don't know where we get the idea that the right is easy. I don't read that in my version of the Bible. Rather, I find over and over and over again the opposite. The way is narrow and tricky. Some of of the Jews had rationalised economic difficulties as God's guidance that the time was not yet right for the rebuilding work to assume. This excuse, in effect, was really an accusation that it was God's fault things had not improved. The people were thinking if God wanted his house to be built, he would have made us wealthier. Are we quick to find excuses to blame God when we haven't done what we know he wants us to do? The returned exiles had the time. They had the money to do God's work if they wished to make the time and the money. The Jews had been retasked with building a temple after its destruction, but they they decided instead to focus on building themselves luxurious homes. And Haggai comes and he reminds them of their high calling and he encourages them to refocus and to prioritise the worship life of the community. Which leads me to the second question, that I think we need to ask ourselves today. Number two, are my priorities in order? Haggai 1 verse 3, this is what the Lord says. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai and God asked, is it a time for you yourself to be living in your panelled houses while this house, God says, while my house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. And we see God say this phrase again and again. In fact, four times in the 38 verses, he says, give careful thought to your ways. Think about how you're living, he says. Is it time for you to live in these panelled houses when my house is left in ruins? Now you may ask, what is a panelled house? Great question. I asked the same thing and I looked it up. Some, some scholars basically say this was high-end living. This is like granite countertops. They've got all this kind of stuff and God is not against us having nice stuff. He's kind of, he's just against us putting nice things ahead of him. 
But other scholars just say panelling was the final step to building a house. So perhaps God was simply saying, now that you've finished your house, you've, you've put the finishing touches on your house, but you're still neglecting God's. Really, either way at this point, the people are putting their own comfort ahead of God's house and God's priority. So he says, give careful thought to your ways. Are we trying to make a name for ourselves more than we're trying to make a name for God, exalt his name? Are we putting our personal houses before his house? Are we consumed with ourselves instead of being consumed with God? Is there something that we're putting ahead of God? Haggai reminds us, give careful thought to your ways. Assess your priorities. What a challenge as we begin 2021. You know, the the religious condition of the people's hearts could be directly gauged by their attitude towards working on God's house. In a sense, the building of the temple was a barometer of the people's spiritual condition. It wasn't actually about the building itself. Have a look at verse 6. And and this is a bit of a scary verse to me. It's a bit haunting to imagine that things have changed so little from 500 BC. This is what God says. And I reckon this reflects the hearts of so many people, maybe even some of you today who say, I feel exactly like this. God says to them, you planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Let me give you a modern translation, well, perhaps a paraphrase. You're working your butt off and you still don't feel like you have anything. You're pouring your life into some career and it just feels empty and hollow. You have more than you've ever had before, but you still don't feel satisfied. You entertain yourself, you go to games, you go to movies, you eat out, yet there's still a longing for something more. Give careful thought to your ways, Haggai says. Think about it. Are you putting your house ahead of God's house? Is there some unfinished business? Has God led you to do something that you have not done? Too often we place other goals, interests, joys, ahead of the place we should have reserved for the King of Kings. And God calls us to make a radical break with what our culture might consider normal and to put kingdom values, placing His ways, His cause, His goals in first place ahead of every other desire. You know, this season is a great opportunity to establish a new normal, to ensure that our priorities line up with our values, that our actions line up with our beliefs. And so the third question that I think Haggai invites us to ask this morning, question number three, am I being obedient? This is what the Lord Almighty says, verse seven, give careful thought to your ways. He says it again. Then basically he's going to, what he's going to do, he's going to break down into three simple steps, okay? The building of the temple. Here's what I want you to do. Number one, go up into the mountains. Number two, bring down the timber. And number three, build my house. It's like God saying, this is how much I love you. I'm going to make it real simple. Okay, you've neglected me, but it's not hard for us to get back to where we were, to refocus. Here's what I want you to do. Go up to the mountain, bring down the timber and build my house. You've neglected me, but it's not too late. Here's the problem. So many of us are going, God, but what about steps four, five and six? I need the details. But who's going to pay for this? And how is it going to happen? And where are we going to go? And what's, what, what's going to go on there? 
Who's going to be there? God says, don't worry about steps four, five and six. Just do one, two and three. My word is a lamp unto your path, a light, sorry, a lamp unto your feet, a light unto your path. And so if his word is a lamp unto our feet, he may just show us steps one, two and three, and we won't get to see steps four, five and six until we take those first three. For me, the daily pattern is read God's word, reflect and ask what he wants me to do and then do it. Sometimes it's obvious. Sometimes it's not. And it's just the moment by moment obedience to God's spirit's leading. Many of us have no idea how amazing the blessings of God would be on the other side of obedience because we worry too much about the outcome. But we're not responsible for the outcome. We are just responsible for the obedience. Outcome is God's responsibility. I love that in verse 8, before the temple rebuilding is even began, it's declared that it will be acceptable to God. No matter what the outcome of the people's efforts, Haggai declares that the Lord will take pleasure in what they build. Matthew 6, verses 31 to 33, quite well-known verses say, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. We often read the don't worry part of Matthew 6 and try to reassure ourselves or try to don't worry, God will provide. But let's put it in context. Don't worry, but seek God first. Then all these things will be given to you as well. Don't worry about finishing off your house, your tasks perfectly. Attend to God's house, God's glory, God's kingdom first and you'll be provided with all that you need. You'll get your houses as well. Are we giving God the scraps of our time, resources and energy? Where is our focus? God's going to provide for his people. It's a done deal. It's what he has promised. I wonder if you've ever moved house. I have lots of times, too many times. And when you move to a new home, you know, sometimes the furniture doesn't quite seem to fit just right. It takes time to reconfigure, reorganise, perhaps replace a few ill-fitting pieces before the home feels settled and comfortable. This is what happens when we begin a new stage of life too, you know, like a marriage, addition of a child, a new job or a death of a significant loved one. And we're forced to move on, attempting to reconfigure the old into the new. It's unsettling and unfamiliar, but with time we begin to find familiar things in the new normal. Or we learn to be comfortable in our new skin, our new situation. I reckon that's what 2021 is going to look like for some of us. Making adjustments along the way, working out what stays and what goes, what gets shifted as we create a new normal for our lives, for our church and really for our world. God knows this and he promises his people that he will walk with us. For the Jews, as they began work, they were encouraged to be strong God wants them to refocus, to build his house, to make his work their priority. But with it comes a promise in chapter 2, verse 4. It says, But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. 
God reminds the Jewish people that he was present with them in the past, but he promises that his glory will be even greater in the new temple when they obey him. And in verse 9, we read that he pledges to grant them peace there. God calls them to shift their focus and align their values with his, and he will continue to be present with his people and give them his strength. He's still got them. So be strong, people of Wollongong Salvos. Be strong, all you who are watching today. God is with you. Don't waste the opportunity for refocus that 2021 brings. Let's look to God. Allow Him to guide us through tricky times when things don't look very familiar. He wants to be near us and to call us His own. Don't reject His help when life is turned upside down but allow the sudden changes to help reconfigure our values to be centred more than ever around God's values. God bless you each.